Welcome to Women Express. I'm Denise Harrington, your host. It's been a moment since we've been together. There's been a lot going on in the we universe, as we call it. There's a book that's being written that most of you know about. We're still getting there. We're almost done. There are several summits that we've put together, Women Express summits, that you'll hear about at the end of this conversation. And I took the opportunity to go on a sabbatical. Woohoo. I'm always preparing my clients for sabbaticals and never took one myself. So I did it. I did a sabbatical and it was all focused on the divine feminine or the feminine energy in the world, which you all know I am a hundred percent supportive of because I believe what women bring to the table is not only important in our day and time, it is critical in our day and time. Our leadership, I do believe, can change worlds and reset the balance of male and female in the world. And this is so important right now. I just am of the opinion that some of the ways of male leadership is out of balance. And bringing in more female leaderships and the skills that we bring to the table will help to put it all back in balance. It's a big, big goal, (laughs) but I think we're capable of doing it. As you know, Women Express is all about giving a platform for women to share their voices and ideas. And I'm really happy today because I've got, I believe, someone who is simpatico with the things I believe in. We've both been around the block a couple of times. We have experience under our belts. And I believe that our guest today will bring a lot to the table for helping you serve up your leadership at the table. So I'm going to welcome Liz Kislik. I think I got it right. She's a management consultant, an executive coach, TEDx speaker, contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes, And she's reaching out in her own way and establishing her own experience of what it means to be a leader in today's world. She's been in business for 30 years, so she and I have that same amount of years in common. And she's worked with companies like American Express and Orbitz, the Girl Scouts, Janice Janssen Pharmaceuticals. She's also been a developing, performing leader's workforce for organizations in many, many, or I should say several, Fortune 500 companies. So Liz is definitely the kind of person that we want to hear from. She's the author of the Workplace Wisdom blog and offers valuable perspectives and tips, developing leaders, managing how to manage teams, and improving customer experience. I'm not going to tell the story anymore. I think a short bio is just enough because I'm going to open up and welcome into this conversation Liz and have her share with you some of her insights about what leadership is all about, specifically for women, but leadership in general. And I have some ideas, but I want to just first welcome you in, Liz, and let you just talk because we figured out we're just going to do a conversation and see where it goes. Thanks so much, Denise. I'm very happy to be with you. I'm really excited about it. There are a few things that I had in mind to ask you, and I couldn't resist the one thing that we talked about was a story that you came up with. And I loved it so much because I love the title of the story. And the story is a speaking up story where you were experiencing in leadership how valuable it was to understand and to lead by speaking up. Share with us with that, because I think that that's that's just important. Learning how to speak up. How could I say any more to that? Okay, this is a story that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I was quite young. I was in my early 20s and in a way that only happens through a combination of, I'm going to call it luck and privilege. I was a vice president um, at a marketing company. And I was in a meeting with another VP and 
two senior VPs. I was by far the youngest person in the room. And the two senior VPs were extremely dissatisfied with the report that the other VP had just made. And part of why they were dissatisfied and the dissatisfaction was legit is because he had fudged some of the numbers and facts. He Ooh. was not being on the level and they suspected this and they went after him. They were not wrong to question him, but I'm sure you've been in one of those meetings and many people have been in the audience where you feel that someone is suddenly being victimized because it's almost as if the point is to punish them to, forgive me for saying it, but in, in corporate terms, to torture them rather than to actually get to the bottom of the situation, find out why they might have done whatever stupid thing they're trying to hide from and actually work it out to get everybody to a better place. So they were torturing this guy. And I was raised to believe that that's not appropriate behavior in the first place, but that if you are present when there's bad behavior, you're supposed to do something about it. <laughs> you're supposed to. You're so, supposed to. Right, right. So I, I didn't even think very much about it. I remember being alternately hot and cold and shaking. So I remember my sure. physical condition, yeah. but I intervened by asking what was quite an inappropriate question. I asked whether they were intending, was it your intention to torture this guy <laughs> or to actually get to the bottom of the problem? And, and you use the word torture? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was brave. You know, in the moment, I don't know what it was. I just knew I had to speak up. I couldn't sit there. And I was scared to death. Yeah, I'm sure you were. And it, you know, the meeting stopped because these two senior people couldn't believe what they just heard and didn't know what to do. And this is one of the interesting things about speaking up when someone else is being bullied or abused or whatever. The person of power who is doing the bad behavior doesn't expect to be stopped. Doesn't ah, expect. That's so important. Right? That's if so they important. thought they would be, I really called him out. I wasn't calling him in. If they thought that they would be called out, they wouldn't be doing it. So it was shocking. They didn't know what to say. They actually called the meeting to a close. We all left. That's when I started really freaking out. Was I going to get fired? Yes, I bet you did freak out. Yes. And I had to talk to myself about, okay, well, if they fired me, I would be able to find another job and I would be okay. You know, I had to psych myself up. Um, and then I came back the next morning and you were talking about our having been around the block. So this was a long time ago. This was pre-email. You know, they couldn't send me any nasty messages on Slack. It didn't exist. <laughs> I, I came back the next day and um, one of them called my office and said they wanted to see me. No surprise. No surprise. And I walked in, trying not to shake, trying to keep my voice steady. And they told me very clearly that my behavior was unacceptable. Um, and I apologized for it because I know what I said was very insulting. And I apologized for behaving badly 
but I didn't change my stance at all. I didn't in any way suggest that what they said was okay. I copped to not doing it well. Um, and from that point, then I worked with the other VP and basically confronted him on what he had fudged. And then I worked with the two senior VPs and we agreed this guy couldn't handle the job. I mean, he was not in the right spot for him. He didn't have the skills or capabilities. And eventually they let him go. And I can't even say that was wrong. Although I know from later life, there were ways to work with him differently that potentially could have salvaged him. But I can't. Well, there's some things that, a couple of things that, you know, I, I want to give you some credit on. One is this was many, many years ago. Yes. And I'm sure that there are people sitting and listening to this podcast right now that said what you did was relevant in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Because yes. there are so many people who are willing to fudge the numbers, fudge the experience, fudge the facts, and no one's willing to stand up and say no to that. Yes. And I think that our leadership as women right now, so I'm glad you had that experience, is to be able to say to ourselves, take the self-confidence and say, you know what, this is wrong. And I'm not going to be a part of this. Yes. I'm going to speak up and say no, because there's yes. so much going on in our world where this is an important feature, don't you think? For sure. I got several lessons out of that. One was, don't lie about your work. <laughs> you know, show what you need, what is wrong, etc. But you're going to be found out. So that's one piece. The second thing, though, and in some ways, the lesson that was the most meaningful to me was that be scary even for people in power, if someone else will take a stand, will mm -hmm. speak up. Will speak up. And so yeah. there was a lot of garbage that never happened in front of me again. <laughs> they I don't want to get called it, out for that. Yes, I can't say it never happened, but I developed a reputation as a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. And that's worth having. It is worth it for people to recognize that you will tell the truth, that you will work to make sure that everyone now has what we know is psychological safety. Um, you don't have to be the person with the most hierarchical power to change the dynamics. I love that. I love that. I love that. You don't have to be the person with the hierarchical power to change things. And that's, you know, I made that big, bold statement at the very beginning of this, this podcast about, I think, you know, women can change things and we can do big things and we can right yeah. from where we are. Some yeah. of us aren't even at the table. We yeah. aren't even at the table and making sure that we take risks that allow us, and you took a huge risk there, is it, you know, go against my values or sit here and take it. And you chose to take the risk of choosing your values and what you believe was to be true. And I love the other part. I, I was going in one direction, but I want to make sure I say this. I love the other part is that you came back, had the conversation with the person or persons that were doing the bullying and, and victimizing someone. And, and offer not to back down in, on your stance, but to offer a resolution around what was going on. Because I think that that, not looking for the resolution, not using skill sets and experiences, past and present, to change a reality is so important for the change. Yeah. We just look at change and go, change! But we don't realize that to get through change, you need a life raft. You need a pencil. You need, well, people don't use pencils anymore. You need a laptop. You need, yeah. you need tools and understanding. And there's so much in leadership now. 
so many tools that we can use to help us navigate things like where people are lying. And, and in our day and age, lying has become such a thing <laughs> that yeah. I'm sure that this experience is not irrelevant in any way to you or anybody that's listening. So talk to me a little bit more about what it meant because I, you know, I, I was personally in an experience once, just happened to be the office that I worked on was in, on Capitol Hill. I mean, Capitol Hill, I was young too. And it was a big thing to be on Capitol Hill, but we all knew about the escapades of Capitol Hill. And I worked with a, a, a gentleman who ran the organization and he was making advances towards me. Mm. Mm. And he even set up a circumstance where I had to go into the office on a Saturday. There were hardly any people. It was so that he could continue making his advances. And when I got there and realized that no one was there, or at least there were a couple, two or three people that were there, none of which probably would have taken up for me in any way, I decided I was just going to walk out and go home. Good. Because I had heard about his circumstances and who he was and the things that he had done with other women in the organization. But it wasn't going to happen here. So I decided, okay, well, that's the end of the story. I'm getting up and I'm leaving. Well, of course, I got called in, just like you. And I got back in on Monday. I got called into the office. He was going on pontificating about the things that I did not do for some project. And I, just like you, I turned hot and I was cold. And I just blurted out that what he was doing was not something that I wanted to participate in and that I understood what he was doing. And it was interesting. I did get fired. <laughs> But I was happy to be fired because I wasn't going to be someone's puppet. I was going to stand up for who I am. And I'm sure there are other women who are listening to this podcast, people who are listening that have been in that place. So tell me, what are some of the tools that we can use to help ourselves take risks as leaders and self-management, emotional intelligence, self-care, some of those tools that can help us navigate you raise so many things, Denise, and I'm having a almost a log jam in my head because there are so many things I want to say. But um, let me wiggle this log first. In any situation where you think about speaking up versus not speaking up, the first thing is to figure out how to be safe yourself. And safety has a lot of different aspects to it, depending on where you are in your career, sometimes your physical power. There are a lot of things that safety can mean. For me at the time, I mentioned before that I was a person of privilege. I had a college degree. I had a few years of real work experience under my belt, and I had put money in the bank. Sometimes you have to choose between, in your case, physical safety and not having a job. In my case, I only had to choose between a kind of emotional or psychological safety and not having a job. So there are many ways in which my situation was easier than yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keeping yourself physically safe first, that's the most important because once you are physically harmed, it's very hard to recover from that. Um, thank goodness there is less physical harm, even for women today than psychological harm. There's psychological harm all the time because most people don't know how to manage power all that well. And sure. we see it over and over and over in small ways, petty ways, doesn't even have to be tremendous. So you're always deciding how much can I put up with versus what pain will I have if I refuse to put up? And 
you get to make that decision all the time. Um, you asked about tools. It is really helpful to have some kind of cohort or colleagues where you can discuss these things. It is even harder when you have to handle them completely alone. But knowing that there are others in the organization that you can turn to, whether for advice or protective cover or safety in numbers, any of those things can help you feel stronger than if you are alone. On the other hand, taking on the hierarchy, you're almost always a little alone. You yeah. know, it ha yeah, right? It true. happens one meeting or one conversation at a time. Yeah. yeah. So the place I'm going to start is actually with self-awareness. How are you reacting and how do you know if there's something you need to speak up about? And we both mentioned having physical reactions. Your body will tell you if there is danger in the room, whether it is directed toward you or to somebody else. Your body will actually tell you even faster than you assess it. So we all have these tells, you know, some people clench their jaw and other people, their stomachs turn over or your shoulders go into your ears. Trust what your body is telling you and then get curious about what is happening that may not have risen to the level of consciousness yet. Very good. Very good. Pay attention to what's going on around you. And if there are multiple people, how those people are reacting, because they all have tells too. Mm. People who are long-term bullies or abusers or et cetera, they all have habits and routines just like we do. Mm. So pay attention to, to those. I had a client, we would have dinner after meetings. I watched how much he drank. And that was how I knew when it was time for me to go. Because why risk certain things? No need. And whether that risk is just that they might be a compromised driver or that you might be more personally unsafe, no the patterns of the people you work with, because even if they are not a danger, knowing their patterns will help you know how to do more skillful collaboration. Okay. Say you have, now I'm taking it out of all this bully and abuse stuff. I'm going now to regular garden variety, leadership, leadership and life in organization. Say you happen to have an indecisive boss. Well, you know that they get a certain hunched way when they have to make up their minds and they don't want to do it, or they start tapping their pen, or you read the signs and you know what's happening. If you are able to calm them, to talk to them about what your mutual goals are, what you're really trying to accomplish in the big picture, and then if there are values you share and you remind them of all of this stuff, they may feel safer to make a decision. So thinking about why are we here and what's the purpose in the crazy meeting that I was in as a young executive, in the long run, being able to figure out what were we actually trying to accomplish and what was in the way of that prompted me to go back to the guy who was lying and work on his work with him. Could he do better work? When you can sort of zoom out from the nasty situation in front of you to what is it we are actually here and meant to accomplish. accomplish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so important. I mean, I think that that's why I give you kudos for going back and actually working with the person who had made the mistakes. Did this person understand that they were being bullied, shamed, victimized? Oh, God, yes. He was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think these are so important in today's world. I mean, we just see it over and over and over again. There's so much fear and polarization in our world that 
these kinds of ideas, someone taking the risk, not only to take the risk, to say no to something that is really harmful to others or self, but to say this was harmful to others and self and to go about creating the solution. Because I think I listen to a lot of these, there are a lot of books out there today. Yeah. A lot of them on, you know, what happened in our former administration and all the lies and all the things that happened. And I just believe not only are people fearful and polarized, but they don't have any solutions. There's no way for us to come to a solution about how we can make it better. And I think it all starts from within ourselves. That's why I do believe that leadership in general and specifically women's leadership is so important. But I love this idea of coming to the table with solutions and ideas and not being afraid to render those as you are saying no to a circumstance that's not good for yourself or others. What do you think about that? I think. Or feel. (laughs) Or feel. Yeah. I'm a pretty rational, logical person. So I often have to remind myself to check my body um, to know what I actually feel as opposed to what I'm deciding is happening. But I think that a lot of these problems that look like they have no solution, part of why we treat them that way is because we think the solution should be available now. And one of the responsibilities of leadership that doesn't get talked enough doesn't get talked about enough. It takes time to fix problems. Sometimes the best thing you can do is stop and wait. Wow. Fast solutions, straightforward solutions often don't solve the real problem. Saying something, I mean, I sort of threw a grenade into that original meeting because the first thing was to stop the conversation, but that's mm-hmm. not a long-term solution, exactly right. to your point. Yeah, yeah. A real solution means going back to all the parties, figuring out their needs, figuring out their goals, looking for mutual interest, and working from the intersections of interest outward. Mm-hmm. That takes so much time and energy that is both physical and emotional. And, you know, in today's hurry, hurry world, we don't put that time in. In corporations that are looking for the next quarterly report, it is really hard to put in the time to get to root causes. So what should we do? I mean, you know, it's six in one hand, half dozen in another. We do need to come up with solutions. We need yep. to be quick on that. I think yep. one of the things that you're saying is being aware of what goes on in your body when you're encountering a something that's really not the best for yourself or others. Where do we go from there? Because fight or flight is real. Yep. You know, fight or flight freeze, they say now. Now they're saying fight or flight freeze because you could either fight or fly or freeze. So how do you how do you get to a place where you act on and don't procrastinate because some of that is tied up in self-confidence whether or not I'm going to follow through. Good. And that's such an important leadership skill. Good. So for the problem solving part I think it helps to always look at a short term and a long term. What can I do right now to make this a little better? Because every time you make something a little better, you almost earn the next piece of runway. The fact that you can intervene, the fact that you have the right data or that you're willing to have the tough conversation, that earns you some credibility. So that's the short-term piece. And then the long-term piece is the bigger joint goal. 
to go toward confidence, there are different kinds of confidence. I think none of us likes that person who seems to have so much confidence that we really wonder if they're an empty suit, you know, <laughs> all hat, no cattle, those kinds of things. Bravado um, or a kind of phony exterior, we don't mean that. That's easy to knock over. In my case, it was confidence that if this really, really blew up, something else would happen. I would find something else to do. Yeah. You had the confidence that you could figure something out. Sometimes yeah. it's a confidence of desperation. It doesn't have to all be confidence in your fantastic skills and your connections and all those things. But one of the things that I built confidence, self-confidence about, and therefore people had confidence in me, part of my resolving that situation was learning more about the data and then being able to use data in ways that made a case for or against something. Mm -hmm. If you are the person with the necessary information, people need you. That's one way to create confidence in others and in yourself. Another way is being able to keep your cool when others are overwrought or distraught or in some other way, you know, not in good charge of themselves. And that's a lot of self-awareness. And then, whether you call it behavioral modification, or you meditate, or you learn how to manage your body, or any of those things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I read. I love this. Go ahead. Um, for me, parenting, I really had to build my confidence for that. You can't let a little kid know when you're scared, even if it is about a dog that you're afraid of. Well, you don't want the kid to be scared. So learning how to stay authentic while managing your exterior, that's really important. That's a juggle. That's a juggle. That's a juggle. And I mean, it takes just practice. Look, it takes practice. I, I think this idea of skill sets are so important. I mean, you've done a few things where you have written for Harvard Business Press, Guide to Motivating People, Dealing with Difficult People, <laughs> Guide to Power and Impact. And those words, power and impact, I just love them. And they're usually a, a big piece of all the programs I do, since I do a program called Speaking with Impact. And I do a women's leadership program called Power Up. So those two words to me are an important factor, but I love the idea that there are ways of holding power and ways of having impact. Don't you agree? Absolutely. It used to be, I'm going to make a contrast, used to be in today's world. It used to be that you could have power um, more quietly than you can today. Mm -hmm. Why do you say that? That's interesting. Knowing the facts, having the skills, People knew who was the go-to, who was the fix-it, those kinds of things. That was always known internally. In today's world, though, you raised the issue of social media at one point, um, knowing that there's a lot of noise in the environment, you might not be recognized as the person with the abilities you have if you're only quiet about them and wait for others to come to you. Interesting. Sometimes you have to speak up either because you mm -hmm. volunteer or you offer. Sometimes you have to take credit for the things you've done. You can talk about the team and how you worked with the team. You can talk about the assignment your boss gave you. You can talk about your subordinate and what they did. But if you have accomplished something, 
in the right circumstance, it's important to acknowledge what you have done. I'm not talking about beating your chest and, you know, bragging, but talking quietly about what it took to do that. Yeah. Asserting yourself in that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because if people don't know, they won't come back to you for those kinds of things. They won't. And I, I, it's funny, this comes up all the time when I'm asking women or I'm doing some kind of coaching with a woman where it comes up, I would say 95% of the time in coaching that I had an idea, I was sitting at the table, I brought the idea up and one or two things happens after that. It's like the fork in the road. Either Someone in the room, and usually it's a man, takes the idea as their own and starts to propagate it. Or the second thing is, is I say something at the table. Everyone ignores what I say and go on saying something else (laughs) as if what I offered was really nothing. So it's interesting being able to speak up and to take credit. I mean, oftentimes taking credit in a situation like that is the most important thing that I know that I'm saying this because here's what the experience has been. This is what I've done. You know, this can only help the organization. It takes a lot to say that. I had one woman say she brought up the idea. It got shot down. Then she sat there and watched it being implemented or brought into the conversation while she was sitting there. And on the break, speaking of cohorts, cohorts, she spoke to another woman and said, did you recognize what XYZ that happened? And that I said this, and that it was taken to a whole nother level with, you know, as if I had never said it. And then that way, they were both able to go back into the room and ask, we're talking about XYZ, did you recognize that Deborah brought it up? Yes. And that there's a reason Deborah would you like to explain why you had that thought? Yes. You know, sometimes you need the help of others. Yes. What you're talking about is the concept of amplification. And there's great value to that in multiple ways. And it ties into the cohort. If you amplify others, when Deborah is speaking, you say, wait a second, Deborah just raised an interesting point. Or, oh, James, thanks for referring to what Deborah was talking about before. That's amplification, one. Two, if you amplify and people see how the practice works and you have a cohort, you can actually coordinate with your cohort to amplify, and that means you will be amplified as well. And the third piece is, When you are amplifying, part of what you are doing is acknowledging and giving credit, which then makes it much more tolerable when you announce your own credit. Because people don't like to hear from somebody who's always bragging on themselves. Right. But if you're usually bragging on other people, then when you say something about yourself in a kind of matter of fact way, it's a lot easier for others to swallow. There's just a lot of emotional, it, it, the workplace is an emotional place. And I think we, we go into it thinking that it's not, you know, that we're, the, the workplace is filled with wit and wisdom and humanity and feelings and vulnerabilities and being able to put them all in a pot and create a work environment is really quite a juggle. It really is. And to be a leader of that is even more so a juggle because there, you do have to have a certain level of IQ in order to lead, lead and guide, lead and inspire, lead and tell the truth, lead and, you know, give, give stories that help people see themselves so that they can become a better team member, a better leader within the organization, because that's actually what you ended up doing. Right. You went to the person, the guy and heard his story, got a chance to see how vulnerable he felt in that circumstance and then offered to him a question. Were you aware 
or were you, did you understand that you were giving numbers that were not the best numbers and, and creating a space where you could actually talk about it? Yeah. So that's, the that's leadership. And the tough thing about that, Denise, is then I had to come to terms with the fact that this guy couldn't do his job. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't end up beautifully for everybody. And that's really hard. And it is often hard for women who in this society are raised to care about other people. So it can be hard for women leaders to call the shot sometimes when you know it's going to hurt someone. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Right? So the ability to look at the bigger picture not just is this person hurt, but what will it do to the entire team if we keep someone who fudges or if we keep someone who has inadequate skills and we have to cover? So if I was going to break it down into buckets, I think having curiosity so that you ask the questions so that you are looking for, why does this happen? How does this happen? What could be better? Curiosity. And then compassion. What's going on with that person? And how can I help them do or be their best? Even if it means helping them out of the situation that is not working for them. And then there's a kind of willingness to take heat that comes with being decisive making the choice and saying what needs to happen. And you get more authority to do that as you rise through an organization. But you can start doing that from wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. Authenticity is an important feature in rising. There is a concept that I use in the women leadership summits that I do. And it's called spiral leadership. And spiral leadership, the concept is, is that you create this spiral around you. And that spiral leadership is actually a better model for women than the ladder leadership. Because ladder leadership is one person moving up a ladder. Whereas spiral leadership, this is how we the module that I've come up with, the the methodology that I've come up with. Spiral leadership allows us to gather within our sphere the people that we need to help us move and lead forward. Yet, you're in the center. You're the important piece to the puzzle. You're in the center and you do everything you can to maintain your centeredness i.e. you said something about meditation and walking and yoga, the things that help you stay balanced as you move your spiral forward. Then the people in your spiral, the more you empower the people in your spiral by creating their own spirals, the more powerful your spiral becomes, the more equipped your team is in moving your, your vision forward. And it's gotten to a place when a lot of coaching, I, I tell people, pick exactly who you want. Who's your, who are your angels? Who are your, the people who are your caregivers? Who are your truth tellers? The people that are going to tell you the truth. Who are those people? Who are the people that are your advocates? And you put them in your spiral because then you've created literally a community of success around yourself that will not 100% ensure, but certainly would bring about a much better way of leading with others than leading by yourself others. (laughs) I love that idea of the spiral. I'm actually envisioning a kind of force field. Mm -hmm. Um, And exactly as you suggest, collecting the different people and you are rising and you are all rising together. Yeah. Part of what I like about it is 
you don't have to keep everybody in the spiral forever. You don't. Right? Some truth yeah. tellers may be good in one situation and not in another, for example. Exactly. Yeah. And it also goes back to something you said earlier in our discussion, exactly about self-care. Because if you're generating the force field, you can't do that unless your energy is being fed. So Many true. of us, right? We will so run true. on empty. And so we true. think it's important to keep everybody that we're trying to keep together, together, even though we're exhausted. Well, one of the things about your spiral, you can take strength from the people who are in that spiral around you. There can be a mutuality there. So that when you need to rest, I love the idea that you took a sabbatical. Other people can step in temporarily and support the spiral. I really love that idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. It's been, you know, I, I'm surprised when the clients that I'm working with come back with their spiral and they have their people in place and they have a bench of people that who are waiting on the side to be a part of their spiral. But it, it gives you an opportunity to really see how to really orchestrate leadership and that you are, you're not in the center alone but you are holding the force and everything around you is supporting that force. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we've had fun, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Taking some risks. <laughs> we've talked about speaking up, which is the backbone of it all. In order to move forward, you have to have the ability to speak up. I agree with that. And I think that it's important for people to, and women specifically, to learn how to be engaged, to self-manage, to have not only the emotional intelligence, but also the, the data and the facts that you need to lead. Those things are really, really important. So I appreciate that you brought that in to the table. Well, if there was one last thing you could say, what would that be? I think if you're applying the kinds of skills, competencies, techniques that we're talking about, one of the things you find is that there's always something you can do to improve the situation. You don't have to feel helpless and hopeless. Things may be hard. That's often part of how you grow. Or things may be hard because they're structurally hard. But you can address that if you think about it deeply and bring your strengths to bear. Well, I really, really appreciated that. I appreciate everything that you brought to the table. I'm going to bring you into my spiral. We kind of said that anyway. When we first met, we were like, we have a lot in common. <laughs> so, true, true. You're in my true. spiral. Just in case you didn't know, Liz, I'm letting you know you're in That's, the spiral. That is a very lovely and generous thing to say. Well, you are more than welcome, and I'm more than happy to have you be a part of this podcast, as well as a resource that I know I can go to for truth, justice, and happiness. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. So I'm going to let you let everybody know where they can reach you, and if they want to do coaching with you, how can that happen? Great. Thank you very much. So the best place to find me is on my website, uh, which is lizkislik.com, L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K. -I -I and there are years and years and years worth of blogs and articles and podcasts, yeah. free newsletter. Uh, and there's an ebook there free um, that is about the interpersonal aspects of conflict that oh, might be good. useful to people. Um, and they can also find me on LinkedIn, of course. And of course you're on LinkedIn. And it's funny because I just heard a little ding and what came across my screen was a, a newsletter from you on LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good Thursday. timing. It's How about Thursday. that? Right, there you go. Yeah. Good timing, good timing. So we know it happens on Thursday. 
Well, thank you so much, Liz. I really appreciate the time that you spent with us today. And I'm looking forward to certainly connecting with you and working with you in the future. Thank you, Denise. You're doing good work. Thanks so much. We'll say goodbye to Liz. And then I want to remind you all that you can reach me on LinkedIn under Denise Harrington. I'm right there. We have lots that we bring not only to LinkedIn, but on our website. Our website is www.speakingwithimpact.com. It's funny. I have you going to Speaking With Impact. That's the original business that I started, which is communication skills. Been working with that for 30 years and have trained thousands of people on how to use their voices. But our Women Express website is being built as we speak, and it will become and spin off and be its own brand. And you'll be able to go on to the website and look for all of our women's leadership work and the things that we're doing. Several, several things on speaking with impact are going to be important too. how to be speaker ready, how to talk to the press, how to how to actually lead. We have just launched a major leadership program that I think you'll love. It's leadership for everybody, but I think you'll love it. So please do visit our website at www.speakingwithimpact.com. And I'm, I'm enjoying myself and I think you will too. So thanks for listening. We'll be back. And we're going to be talking more about Women Express. Thank you so much. 